Welcome back to Uncanny Trex's coverage of Star Trek Lower Decks, where we take a break from the galaxy's two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 and DS9, to talk about the great Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. This week, we are talking about Mathematically Perfect Redemption, which originally aired on the 6th of October 2022, as well as Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus, which aired on the 13th of October that same year. These are Lower Decks Season 3, Episodes 7 and 8, and I believe we only have two episodes left. Is that right, Matt? That is correct. All right. So uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say the A-plot for uh, Mathematically Perfect Redemption, Matt. Uh, in this uh, in this episode, Peanut Hamper does Avatar, and also she fucks. <laughs> can I can I honestly say, Bob? I've never watched Avatar. I haven't either, dog. I haven't either. Oh, okay. So I don't really even know if this is Avatar, but <laughs> say it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I've been assured by someone who has seen Avatar that it is Avatar. I don't know, man. I, my, my impression is that Avatar is a combination of Fern Gully, Last of the Mohicans, and Dances with Wolves. So this, yeah, this seems kind of similar to those. These were all things that were on, like, VHS cassette back in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, a.k.a. the peak time for James Cameron's uh, intellectual formation. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that does make some sense. I, I know you sometimes listen to Chapo Trap House. Have you ever heard them talk about Avatar? I haven't, no. It's really funny. So, like, they're basically of the opinion. I, I, I think, you know, it, with them, it's always kind of sat, saturated in irony. So it's kind of hard to say. But I, I think if I had to quickly describe their position, they think America is doomed. They think there is no hope. The only hope they think there is is if we have a Napoleon Bonaparte type figure emerge to uh, do a young officer's coup and to actually run this country in a sensible direction, you know deal with climate change, deal with wealth inequality, that sort of stuff. And they think James Cameron is the closest we might get to that Napoleon Bonaparte figure. And so they celebrate uh, the Avatar sequels coming out um, somewhat ironically, somewhat not as possibly presaging a giant global consciousness shift. Okay. So they, they are making a sequel to Avatar, which I think is dumb. Yeah, no, it's coming out this uh, this winter, I believe. Yeah, I'm just like, okay. I mean, I just feel like the fan base for the originals probably past the Avatar stuff at this point. It's going to be really interesting to it, to see, like, does this succeed or does it fail? I honestly have no idea. I, I say fail on this one because I, I just don't think it's got the same appeal. I, but you would have said that about the first one, too, probably. I mean, it had a lot of like heavy advertising and shit going into it, and then when it first, it was the first real like 3D film that I yeah. think looked decent, like looked amazing, and had all this really cool stuff and effects, and like it was something you couldn't just like watch at home. I mean, granted, I, I you know, granted, I'm one of the few Americans who has access to a movie theater, but when they, <laughs> I've been going, you know, the the past six months, I've been seeing Avatar trailers, okay, and. I mean, granted, they're going to have to do other advertising in this digital day and age. Just movie trailers isn't enough. But I don't know. it. I can see it being a success. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of times, though, like the original Avatar, the thing that got people in the theaters was the visual effects and the, like that part, not necessarily the plot. Yeah, well, I mean, that like the trailer is basically just, as far as I could tell from the trailer, like Avatar 2 is Avatar 2 underwater. And so 
basically the trailer is just long scenes of frankly pretty beautiful underwater stuff i don't know i i look i could see it failing or i could see it succeeding i i don't i don't understand american audiences taste <laughs> well i do understand star trek taste bob and since peanut hamper does return this episode yeah were you excited about her returning matt yeah, I, I was glad she was there, though. Uh, the incels on the internet apparently are more excited about the uh, attractiveness of the voice actress, which I thought was just strange. Oh, so they people don't like... The, I, I thought it was you were saying they like they don't like the voice actress? No, they do. They think she's they think she's attractive. Like, they immediately went and had to like pull her up and, like, she's apparently a hottie or something. I didn't look at it that close. Like, I don't know. I'm not really into that. But Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. This just seems to be, like... If you're getting spun up about a voice act, a voice actor or actress, that just seems like immediately suspicious. Oh yeah, that's very suspicious. But it was it, the pictures of her already popped up on the internet and stuff, so people are all like, "Hey." Speaking of, speaking of uh, sexualizing Matt, um, did you like uh, the cut abs on the young owl hillbillies? <laughs> I thought it was pretty impressive myself. Okay, were these owls? They look like something from the the, the original series cartoon to me. They look like some kind of avian bird thing from there the i believe the owl species in this episode are called something like the aeor they have they have not prior appeared in anything in star trek however i missed this but one there are two bird species that show up in the animated series um although they're the same design but the more prominent one who are like federation members are the aurelians They've showed up in the background several times on Lower Decks. And apparently Peanut Hamper says in the episode that the Aeor are like the poor man's Aurelians, although I didn't remember that line. Oh, okay. All right. So a lot of bird, little bird aliens, Bob. A lot of bird aliens. A lot of bird aliens. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we've already kind of covered this, but uh, any, any other thoughts about Peanut Hamper fucking? I mean, I guess the, the robot's got like a little hole or something on it, so it's good to go. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, it was a really funny scene. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I, I would say, you know, better. Do you, would you say better than Avatar? I would say better than Avatar. I, I haven't seen Avatar, so I don't really know. Neither of you, so I don't know how we're even doing this. <laughs> you, can, I, you can say it's better than Avatar. I haven't seen Avatar. You're opining on the internet. What 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 are you doing if not expressing baseless opinions? And then I guess the other really big thing to say. Um, so uh, we get the return of Agamus, Matt. The return of the evil computer voiced by Jeffrey Combs, who Peanut Hamper is in prison next to. What'd you think? I mean, this is the same thing that happened in the other in the first part in the other episode. So same set. And CBS is still one of the uh, the evil AIs. <laughs> nice nice i mean really the whole plot of this is peanut hamper gets stranded peanut hamper gets rescued by a bunch of bird creatures peanut hamper then gets rescued by the federation peanut hamper then gets, lo gets locked up yeah that's that's what's up that's <laughs> it was, what's up it's pretty much the most simplistic episode we ever had but it didn't follow the main characters and it was kind of like a one-off do you like it when shows do this yeah, I generally like it, uh, especially like I mean I'm a, I've been enjoying the season of Lower Decks, man. But I also I'm kind of at the point where I hope that because uh, they've already renewed it for season four, I kind of hope they maybe cut it after season four, right? Like, what else is there to do with these characters? 
in that in that spirit, I kind of like a, a one-off episode that's not focused on the on the main four. You've watched more TV than I have, but I will say this: usually, you're taking a risk with season four. Mm, really, I think season three is like where like it's your best. Well, certainly, certainly that was the Netflix philosophy: is that almost nothing should go more than three seasons. Right, and I th- I really do think that's true because I think you're taking a risk with the fourth season. Sometimes they're awesome, sometimes they're not. But you never hear of a fifth season of a show being great. So trust me, no fifth season, for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean. And I'm not counting. I'm not counting Star Trek, guys. Don't don't fucking like. That's not. <laughs> well, I'm talking I mean, like. I'm talking like your basic. You know your shows that everybody watches. Just shit that's like. But if you're if you're talking about like a show that like builds over time, right? Like, right. That's fine. But yeah. Yeah, because so like the Sopranos and Breaking Bad. Yeah. Would, and Mad Men would all come out as examples where I don't know if I would say the fifth season were the best of any of those shows, but they were certainly very strong. Right. But I'm thinking like. I don't know, network television, maybe. By yeah, your fifth season, yeah. you've, you've run out of ideas. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. And what on a network, you, you've aired basically like two seasons for every one that like a, a more normal season order would do, right? So, yeah. uh, overall, Bob, I was okay with this episode. I mean, I, it's it wasn't anything great. I don't think it's one of, our, one of the better ones, but it, it was fun. Fun little getaway from the main four. Yeah, yeah. And then to move ahead to the other episode, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus, in the A-plot, we have our uh, Fantastic Four experience, the Star Trek movie sequel. There is this m- movie setup where it's a, a holodeck sequence, and it's supposed to be pulling from all these other films in Star Trek. And there's so many damn references to like the different films and different parts of it. Yeah, so I, I caught references to Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home, Final Frontier, Generations, First Contact, and Nemesis. Or yep. Nemesis. Yeah. Did you did you catch any others, or did that does that seem to about have gotten it? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you had some references to the motion picture as well. I didn't see that on your list. Uh, what what were the motion picture references? At one point, when he goes inside the little rock creature, you see the little plaque that says, uh, "Oh yeah, Kitty Hawk. You're it's right. supposed to be you're the right. same thing yeah. they did with the Vijer yeah. with the Vijer Pro." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I, I was kind of surprised I didn't catch I didn't catch any search for Spock or Undiscovered Country references. That doesn't mean there weren't any, but I, I didn't catch any. I didn't see any. And then I guess the only next gen film they didn't reference was Insurrection. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So they also they make fun of the Kelvin verse a little bit. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I was kind of happy to see that they actually. I mean, I'm not happy about it. It's, it's interesting to see they acknowledge it because it's very rare that you see have any kind of in joke with that. Well, when you put it like that, it makes me sad because it's like I don't want to acknowledge yeah. the Kelvin verse. I want it to go. <laughs> well, away. that's what I'm saying. I feel. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know if they feel the same way too because I don't see a lot of that stuff going on. They're supposed to be doing new movies, but I'm. It's, well, didn't they didn't they just officially take the fourth one off the docket? I think so. yeah, it's been back and forth, but yeah, I think that's so. I I think that's kind of a done thing. Maybe I'm kind of hoping. Although IDW IDW is still pumping out comics though with them, I think, which is fine. Well, I think in some ways too, that's a little bit of a. It's almost like they're making up for lost time because for the longest time, I think Paramount wasn't allowing. The, like the novel or the comics people to do anything with the Kelvin verse. Yeah. And so it's, it's it maybe a little bit now that now that it doesn't matter, they're like, oh, this is something we can exploit that's somewhat new, you know? 
So one joke I did kind of enjoy was that you have villainous Romulan triplets yeah. in this, which is like a nice escalation of like, you know, we have the Duras sisters in right. Next Generation and DS9. So that, that kind of cracked me up. Yeah, and they showed just enough cleavage on the Romulans to, so you could get the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, man. Also, part of their uh, their homage or their joke about uh, First Contact, right, was that they time travel back to a crisis point in Federation history or Earth history. And so the fact that it was an algae crisis, <laughs> I thought was really funny, actually. I mean, I was reading on Reddit and, like, some dude pointed out that, like, that's the year that I think uh, Bashir was born. <laughs> like... Oh, funny. They were trying to show you, like, what other things were taking place during the algae crisis. <laughs> <laughs> we also get a f kind of funny uh, revelation that uh, Ransom has his own Fantastic Four, where he chills with a nurse, a bartender, and a whale, which uh, one of the one of the whales from Cetacean Ops, yeah. which I thought was really cute. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. So we get Will Boimler back, Bob. Well, we think he's dead at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so R.I.P. Uh, Will Boimler. The, yeah. Getting rid of, uh, of Boimler's uh, transportation double. Which I had completely forgotten about, which is so weird. Like, you would think that oh, would be I a hadn't. pretty... I hadn't. <laughs> you would think that would be a pretty big plot point at some point, but yeah. No. Well, I I'm, figured that they would just keep him around as, like, a backdoor to do another Riker Troy cameo. Right, yeah. But I think in our pre in our previous coverage, we had talked about how they could incorporate Will Boimler into you know lower decks, and this is an interesting way to do it. And we'll we'll talk about that more at the end. But but I was glad to yeah. see at least they mentioned him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Will, Will Boimler continues. Were you, uh, you uh, satisfied uh, by Doctor Tayana getting disintegrated? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was glad. To see I, thought, I thought you might be. I thought you. Now, might if be. only the bird, the only, if only the bird dude could show up. The uh, the, 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 the counselor. For for me, the 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 comparable uh, the comparable Frison or the comparable um, Schadenfreude was when uh, the horse bit Boimler's neck. That that was very psychically satisfying to me. Just as Doctor Tiana getting uh, disintegrated yeah. was, was satisfying to you. We got that. We got that Sulo cameo during that scene. What yeah, were your thoughts yeah. on that? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I, I thought it was a kind of pretty funny thing to redo Generations with Sulu. And especially it's since apparently I don't follow it closely because I don't care what actors say at any time, let alone on Twitter. But apparently, you know, Bill Shatner's been being an ass lately. And so it's kind of funny to have like uh, to George Takei replace Bill Shatner. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny. Yeah. I also think that's the reason Sulu wasn't in Generations, because uh, they put his daughter instead. I think originally that part on the bridge of the Enterprise B was written for McCoy and Spock. Spock didn't want to be with Kurt, with Shatner, or something. I don't know, there's something weird. But then Sulu was supposed to, and Sulu was pissed at Shatner, so like that's why they ended up with Chekhov and Scotty. They were the only two they could like get to come back and do the movie. Oh, that that's that's funny. That's yeah, funny. I thought that's what you were gonna bring up, but no, no, yeah, that's and that's also why they have a uh, Sulu's daughter is the uh, helmsman. Demora, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that is that is pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, let's see, one cameo I was kind of surprised we didn't get. So they make a point of taking uh, the crew to the like the founding of the Federation, which. 
I know you haven't watched Enterprise, and you're probably a better person for not having done it, but the series finale of Enterprise, like, takes place at the founding of the Federation. And so I was kind of surprised, or at least part of it does. And so I was kind of surprised that we didn't see, like, Archer, you know, a.k.a. Scott Bakula, or at least uh, a little bit of his crew at the Federation founding. That was a little curious. Scott Bakula won't even show up for the Quantum Leap reboot, you know, the show that made him famous. So I don't, I seriously doubt he would show up for anything for this. I don't know. I, I don't, again, I don't follow celebrities that much. I feel it. I, I feel like I see Scott, pictures of Scott Bakula hanging out with other Star Trek people, though. Yeah, he probably runs the um, co- conference circuit, what do they call it? The convention circuit. Convention yeah. circuit. Yeah, he, probably, he probably runs the convention circuit. Oh, man. One, one gag I did deeply love was Dr. Tiana screaming at the uh, Fantastic Four that dehydration is real. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. you got to take care of yourself on the holodeck. Okay, I've, I've been dehydrated before, but have you ever been, like, uh, hyper-hydrated? <laughs> Where you drink Where you too, drink much, too water? much water? Yeah. Um, it, I don't, I mean, I've definitely drunk a little too much water and felt a little queasy, but I don't know if that qualifies. One time I, I was, I got like a huge, huge jug of water and my wife was like, there's no way you can drink all that. I was like, oh, I'm going to drink all this in an hour. So I t- <laughs> it was the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> is a, that's a real thing too. Do If you're listening right now, yes, hydration is real, uh, dehydration is real, but hyperhydration is also real. You drink too much water, you will be sick for like the rest of the day. And you will feel awful. So, so you did the gallon challenge with yeah. water. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. It was awful. It, it's it's a real thing. Strange, thing. strange things go on in the Williams household. Oh, I thought it was bullshit. <laughs> and then I look it up and it's, it's like, like, water? That can't be bad for you. It's foundational I can drink, for human I can life. I drink all the water I want. I'll just have to pee a lot. No. No. <laughs> you will feel like you're going to die. It's not fun. Oh man, that's wild. That's wild. Hopefully this so won't, it, hopefully this won't sort of TikTok craze. We can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully I'm not. I'm on hour six of my hyperhydration. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh man. So I I guess to jump to the end, uh, the gag about system redacted kind of cracked me up, and uh, you yeah, know we see Will Boimler wake up on a Defiant class ship get the black com badge for section 31 and a nice little jab at star trek discovery one thing i want to uh kind of go back for a second we talk about when boimler actually meets the uh the rock creatures oh yeah oh that's the original idea for star trek 5 yeah exactly yes there were originally supposed to be 10 of them <laughs> and then the budget ran out baby so they but then they went with one <laughs> And they actually filmed the one, but then they realized how stupid it looked and just got rid of it completely. So this is Star Trek V now, the movie that is full of like the stupidest shit you can think of. <laughs> Has even worse stuff like that's on the cutting room floor. What does Star Trek V need with a rock yeah, monster? Yeah, exactly. And uh, also, they made a joke at some point about going back and having to uh, kill JFK or stop the assassination of JFK. Oh, yeah. What was that originally an idea for? That was Gene Roddenberry's go-to idea for every Star Trek film that would ever come out. He wanted the Klingons to go back in time and stop JFK's assassination because somehow it leads to, like, World War. 
or you know apocalypse or whatever so they was going to have the crew of the enterprise go back in time and spock was going to be the guy on the grassy knoll (laughs) (laughs) well there's also this like weird thing of like you know roddenberry is like a liberal you know right Right. and like star trek is like touchy-feely like liberal vision of socialism more or less yeah but like the man just loves the idea that, oh, you have to kill a good person so history turns out better, right? Because, I mean, that's the whole thing of sitting on the edge of forever, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's insane. Well, it's also just kind of wild because it, like, it sort of goes against, like, because the, the grain of JFK conspiracy theories tends to be that, like, oh, JFK was actually pretty skeptical of the CIA and American involvement in Vietnam and Africa, and that's why, you know, the deep state or the mafia or whoever killed him, like that tends to be the way that JFK conspiracy theories go. And it's kind of amusing that like Roddenberry kind of takes it in the other direction of like, no, 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 actually, yeah, the deep state needs to kill JFK because if they don't, then we'll have nuclear war. <laughs> kind of like in the same way, it's like, oh, no, no, like Edith Keeler is a pacifist, so she has to die. So America gets involved in World War Two. It's like Roddenberry's like giving us a little twist there. <laughs> He's like, yeah. What's that guy's name that everybody does? Uh, uh, fuck. He always has the surprise twist in the films, and they're awful. Oh, uh, Shyamalan, M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan, and like that was a surprise twist that he probably always just made sure to you know, exacerbate when he was telling everybody the story, <laughs> of what what he wanted to see. All right, so All right. Th- this episode ends, Bob, with you know Will Boimler did return on a Defiant class ship. And he's in becoming a system a, redacted in a system, and he's becoming part of Section Thirty One. Yep, yep. Um, the Defiant class ship did not have a, a serial number, so we know it's not the one from DS Nine, unless they like, unless they filed it off. Yeah, and like filed it off, which I, probably is a thing. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming yeah, they do it with yeah. lasers, though. <laughs> Actually, in a way, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Even though I was saying that. I kind of feel like the show, you know, as much as I enjoy it, is kind of running its course. Um, it is kind of amazing that it has taken like two, two and a half seasons, two and two third seasons before they really get to section 31. And, you know, who knows like when they'll actually fully do section 31, right? Yeah. I mean, they just have, a, they have a lot of content they can go back on. So yeah, I look forward Wild to it. Stuff, man. So Wild my character, my character of the week, Bob, from these two episodes, I got to go with peanut hamper. Fair, fair. I mean, because that, that's the main character of that story, and <laughs> there, yeah. there, there weren't many other choices. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Agamus, just because I was happy to see Jeffrey Combs again. But yeah, Peanut Hamper had a great week, unquestionably. And then, uh, I think I know what you're going to say for episode of the week, Matt, but what are you going to say for episode of the week? Crisis Point, do. Yeah, yeah, man. It's all about that paradoxus. Uh, since so much of the episode is framed around this question, Matt, did you enjoy this or the first movie episode more? I kind of enjoyed this one more. Uh, I mean, it, it seems uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. I'm gonna have to say I enjoyed the uh, first one more. Oh, okay, well <laughs> we can agree to disagree, Bob. Because I I guess we can, Matt. I guess we can. All right. Well, this has been our Uncanny Treks coverage of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, check us out for bonus episodes on recent movies and TV shows, as well as our eventually resuming coverage of Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. Check us out on Patreon for X-Men 92 versus Young Justice. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.